Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, July 6th. 2021. On today's episode of the show, we are going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm a senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on today's episode by SlashFilm Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And senior writer and chief film critic Chris Evangelista. Hello. New titles all around. Brad, you're actually going to be a, uh, a senior writer as well. I think you're technically still the weekend editor until we find a, an official replacement for you. Is that right? Yeah. So, uh, so coming up as I'm um, sometime maybe this month, uh, could be as soon as this month, uh, I'll be stepping away from the weekends just because I've been doing this for uh, six or seven years now, uh, working seven days a week and uh, looking to get my weekends back. And so now with some changes happening at Slash Film, I'll be sticking to the uh, the weekdays as a senior writer and letting somebody else take over the weekend editor position since we're going to be having a lot more weekend content coming up soon. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, yeah, we got a lot of exciting stuff going on uh, and, and coming up soon at SlashFilm.com, so stay tuned for more about that later on. Uh, but let's get into the news today, uh, guys. Um, we learned over the weekend some, some sad news that Richard Donner passed away. Uh, Richard Donner, of course, the director of Superman, uh, the Lethal Weapon films, the Goonies, and much more. He died at age 91. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, this is just like one of those that, that kind of hurts because he was, you know, Richard Donner was one of those guys that I think his, his career started in like 
early 1960s. And he just, through the 60s and 70s, was a prolific TV director. And then right around the mid-70s, started essentially transitioning from television into film and just made big movie after big movie and became, you know, like a, a go-to um, like blockbuster filmmaker of the, the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And he was just... Um, one of those guys, man, like everybody, you know, uh, a lot of times people are um, effusive in, with praise uh, about celebrities after they pass away. But the tenor of the conversation that has happened since Richard Donner's passing has been not just about the work that he left behind, but like what a good person he seemed to be uh, and and just how much of a good dude he was. So that's always nice when those two things sort of um, align like that. But um, I just wanted to ask you guys, uh, you know, do you have any favorite specific uh, Richard Donner films or um, maybe moments from those films? Anything that, that sort of stands out to you? What, what was the first moment when you heard that he passed? What was the first cinematic moment where you're like, oh, man, Richard Donner? I mean, immediately, it's it's definitely Superman, you know. Uh, Superman was like the, the first major big budget studio superhero movie. And, uh, you know. Um, it would later usher in an even bigger era of superhero movies. Um, it's it's crazy that like for a while Superman was really like the only game in town when it comes to big screen superhero adventures because uh, we didn't see Tim Burton's Batman arrive, you know, until the the late '80s. And that not only did that movie usher in superhero movies in general, but kind of just the modern blockbuster. Uh, Eric Vespi actually wrote a great piece about how he really helped pioneer, you know, the, this idea of big tentpole blockbusters. Uh, especially, you know, with with property like comic books. And it's easy to take that for granted nowadays because we complain, um, you know, about how many superhero movies there are, whether it's Marvel and DC or or something else that's out there. But there was a time when they were considered a silly novelty and he made you, uh, you know, like the poster says, believe that a man can fly. And it allowed us to buy into a lot of other sort of uh, big blockbuster concepts on on the big screen. And that was a big thing. But then on, I think on... uh, Another note, too, one of the things that I've always loved um, are all of the Lethal Weapon movies, even the ones that maybe you could say aren't so great, just because Donner knew how to inject those movies with the right amount of heart along with the the buddy cop action and comedy aspects and mm-hmm. the dynamic, uh, you know, he created between Riggs and Murtaugh, uh, you know, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover have like one of the best on screen partnerships, friendships, you know, period when it comes to that genre. And Donner just knew how to put a lot of, you know, feeling into those kinds of movies. And even Lethal Weapon 4, as um, even though it gets much sillier than the previous Lethal Weapon movies, uh, you really feel the like the relationship between all the characters uh, in that movie. You know, even somebody as uh, silly as Joe Pesci's character in those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he gives him a great moment uh, in that movie where like he expresses, you know, how much he feels like, you know, that he's a part of Riggs and Murtaugh's lives. And I, I've just, I've always loved that about Donner, what, what he does with his movies, the, the heart that he brings in it. Yeah. Um, Chris, what about you? Any uh, particular memories there? Uh, I don't have like specific memories, but I, you know, for one thing I was shocked that he was so, Oh, I didn't realize Richard Donner was 91 when he died. So I was, I don't know what I thought he was, but in my head, he was not that old. Probably because in my head, I'm not old, even though I'm like one foot in the grave already. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I loved a lot of Richard Donner's work. I loved, uh, The Omen is a lot of fun. And like Brad said, the, the Lethal Weapon series is a blast. I always loved how 
he was very um uh, he was you know he was an activist and he wasn't afraid to like shoehorn in messages into those movies like you know the leave level movies they're big violent action movies but he was very much uh you know like a pro gun control guy and he would put that in there and yeah lethal weapon i think it's two or it's either two or three but it has this whole subplot about like apartheid which which was like when i saw that as a kid i didn't even know what that was I was yeah, like, I don't, I don't, like, like like i learned about apartheid from the lethal weapon series so you know i i always loved that richard donner was not afraid to you know wear his his activism on his sleeve i'm sure like if he were making movies today we'd get like a million bullshit fox news segments about like oh richard donner's <laughs> being too political but you know he was <laughs> he didn't have to worry about that and uh he just had such a interesting eclectic career because you know he had superman but he also had scrooged and he also had uh conspiracy theory it's like it's such a strange uh list of films that he worked on but he gave all of them you know a distinct personality so yeah, uh yeah. he will he will be missed and it's a shame that i remember like even though i i don't have any desire for Lethal Weapon 5, you know, in the last few years or so, he did a bunch of interviews where he was like, I really want to make Lethal Weapon 5. And it's, you know, it's kind of a shame that he'll never get to do that now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, uh, you know, that's probably for the best uh, in yes. terms of the Lethal Weapon series. Um, I Personally, I'm just glad that Timeline, which came out in 2003, was not his final film because I read that book, uh, which is based on a Michael Crichton um or, or the book was written by Michael Crichton and the, the movie is based on that book. And that movie is, um, is not very good, but he, he finished up his career directing 16 blocks, which came out in 2006, which, which I think is a, a much, much better, uh, final film. Um, and yeah, there, there were some sort of, yeah, like you said, sort of eclectic, uh, <laughs> you know, little movies mixed in here. You got radio flyer and, um, uh, assassins the movie that gave us the uh, famous antonio banderas gif of him leaning back from the computer screen so i mean there's a lot of um interesting stuff in in richard donner's career and i encourage people to uh dive into that if they have not yet so um all right let's talk about uh an alien tv series i think we've talked about this on the podcast before but noah hawley is uh, developing an alien TV show. And he has talked a little bit about the sort of approach for what the show is going to be. And uh, I guess what it's not going to be about. Um, Chris, what, what's the latest on this series? Right. So Noah Hawley said um, he, he gave away two basic things about the show. One is that Ripley, you know, Sigourney Weaver's character is not going to be on the show. Uh he said, <clears throat> quote, Ripley's one of the greatest characters of all time. And I think the story has been told perfectly and I don't want to mess with it. Uh, and he also added that the show would be set on Earth, which I'm pretty sure we knew already. But if there was any doubt, he's he's confirming that uh, this is going to take the story to Earth. And then he also added, uh, quote, on some level, it's also a story about inequality. You know, one of the things that I love about the first movie is how how 70s a movie it is and how it's really this blue collar space trucker world. Uh, and I just want to point out that uh, when this, this quote broke last week, when it, you know, the headline was it's about inequality. All the, all the jackasses of the internet were like, Oh, stop trying to make alien political. And first of all, just shut the fuck up. But second of all, uh, you know, the, his quote right there underlines that like, this is nothing new that ver you know, that first alien movie, it makes a big deal about how these are like, these aren't, you know, astronauts. They're just working class people in space and they yeah, care they're about like expendable characters. Right. Almost. They care about uh, their bonuses and the company they work for is willing to literally sacrifice their lives for 
to turn a profit. So uh, when when Noah Hawley says this, it's it's there's this is not a new development in the Alien franchise. And if you think it is, you're just being willfully obtuse. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I, I saw some of that pushback on Twitter, and I was like, "What? Am I the only person who who thinks that this uh, reaction that I'm seeing here is a little overblown?" So it sounds like you you thought that as well. Um, well, Chris, what do you just think about this? Like in terms of the larger story, like uh, you know, an Alien TV series without Ripley. Um, you know, we've seen uh, Alien stories or Alien adjacent stories without Ripley with the Prometheus movies. Um, and I, I think you're a fan of those, generally speaking. Do you think that there is um, that there's room for a TV show here? You know, sort of set in this universe, maybe following a whole different batch of characters, or is this something that um, I don't know? What do you think about this? Yeah, I think you keep it going. I, I like I really like the Alien series. I, I honestly don't think there's like a single bad Alien movie. I'm talking about the main series. I'm not going to talk about Alien versus Predator. Those movies don't count. Right. <laughs> but I'm talking about the main series, like while they're not all created equally, like I still think the first alien is the best movie in the franchise and none of the others really touch it. I do think all of them have their, you know, their charms, even the prequel movies, even Prometheus, even alien covenant. So I'm not against more alien stuff. I think I would prefer to see Ridley Scott close out his, his prequel trilogy. I know I'm not, everyone agrees with that, but I would like that uh, over, something Noah Hawley does. Cause I really don't care for him as much as a lot of people do. I know people love the Fargo show and they really liked, uh, shit. What was that show with Dan Stevens? Legion? Yes. They really liked that. And I just, I, I tried Legion. I couldn't really get into it. And I've tried the Fargo series and I just don't really like that either. So I'm sort of not a big Noah Hawley fan. So it's, it's hard for me to get too excited about this, but I'm curious to see, uh, you know, an alien story set on Earth, because we really haven't seen that. Uh, again, if, unless you count the Alien versus Predator movies, which yeah. I, I don't want to do. <laughs> I want to pretend they don't exist. So I am kind of interested on, on that level. Yeah, um, I kind of think that the production design of that first Alien movie is... Um, you know, like one of its, I guess it, I was going to say one of its undersung aspects, but I guess people have talked about that enough, um, where, or maybe it's just one of its, uh, you know, one of its solid aspects, but like the idea of, um, of, of a movie that's set on earth that I don't know exactly if we know where this is going to be on the timeline, uh, of, of the entire franchise, but like, what does earth look like? Um, you know, is it, is it a grungy sort of seventies, look across the entire planet or like the big cities where this is going to be set or something or like what yeah I'm, I'm i'm curious about those kind of questions um you know how how closely the production aspects the production design aspects are going to be tied into uh this new tv show brad do you have any thoughts about an, an alien series do you think this is something that um could could bear some interesting fruit here um i'm consciously optimistic you know i i think returning to uh you know what alien was as opposed to what it's become um I, I haven't particularly um, been in love with the the new uh, Ridley Scott approach to Alien. Um, I appreciate it what it does kind of like for the mythology of the franchise, but I kind of just miss the, the the old style of Alien and Aliens, and I would like to see a series uh, return to that instead of digging into this sort of cosmic creation story that uh, Ridley Scott seems to have his heart set on while also injecting, you know, what people have wanted from the alien movie. So even though it would be, you know, a, uh, a retread, I, I think that that's, that's something that would be uh, interesting to, to revisit. 
Okay. All right, let's move on to uh, a potential sequel to Black Widow, which I think comes out this week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Brad, what, what's the latest there? Uh, well, as we all know, Black Widow unfortunately perished in Avengers Endgame. And this movie uh, is a prequel that takes place between Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War. So if there were to be a Black Widow sequel, uh, it likely would not focus on Natasha Romanoff. And director Kate Shortland agrees and think that that's entirely possible. Um, uh, asked, you know, whether or not the Black Widow franchise could continue, even though Scarlett Johansson is essentially done with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, she succinctly said, uh, I think following a different character, yes. So uh, without necessarily digging into any spoilers, uh, there's probably a good path that is uh, being potentially set up for the uh, possibility of continuing the Black Widow franchise. But I also think that more likely than not, because it took so long to make this Black Widow movie, I'm thinking that maybe the way the Black Widow story continues is in a different way. Um, and again, some of that dives into spoiler territory for those who uh, have not seen Black Widow, which is probably most of you since mm-hmm. it doesn't, doesn't come out until Friday. So uh, the details on that we'll dig into uh, after the movie comes out. But suffice it to say, there is room for the Black Widow franchise to continue uh, just just in a different way. What do you think about the idea? And this is, I don't think Scarlett Johansson has indicated that she wants to come back um, for a, another one. Yeah, quite but, the opposite, actually. She's okay. like, yeah, like she's basically said that like this is her exit. Okay, I was wondering about that because I have not been following that super closely. I didn't know if she has like definitively said, you know, because I did Robert Downey Jr. say officially like Avengers Endgame is my last one kind of deal. That do you know if he ever like came out and said that? Because I think a lot of people were like oh, well, you know, he's probably not coming back because it would destroy the, you know, the character arc and all of that kind of stuff. But do we have the same sort of confirmation, I guess? Yeah, I mean, he was pretty definitive about it, like after it came out that, you know, this was this was his farewell. But in there have been times when, you know, because he always gets asked if there's a possibility Mm -hmm. where he gives the answer of like a never say never kind of thing, just because leaving it open to where if they came up for a cool way for him to come back in some capacity, there's a chance he might not turn it down and he'd be interested. But it's it's one of those things where like, Unless you hear otherwise, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is definitely done with Iron Man. And for now, uh, Scarlett Johansson is definitely done with Black Widow. Okay. All right. So our last story involves the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, I saw F9. Uh, when was that? I guess last week. And um, and I, I'm sure we'll talk about that more um, next time we do a, a water cooler episode. But uh, Whenever F9, that may be. Yeah, who knows? Um, F9 has been out for a little while now, so I feel comfortable talking about this story. But um, just in case you have not seen that movie yet and you want to just, you know, not know a single thing about it this isn't really a spoiler um but just in case you're you know super super spoiler averse maybe um pause the podcast now but uh justin lynn the director of um f9 and who's going to be directing the the two-part uh fast and furious 10 uh follow-up that is going to conclude the the fast saga has talked a little bit about wanting to bring back paul walker's brian o'connor character Uh, in these final two movies. He said, obviously, Paul and his character, Brian, are the uh, soul and heart of how we're able to move forward. Bringing him back is something I think about every day. As we approach the end of the franchise, it's a conversation I'm having, and I think about this possibility every day, but I know the decision to keep the character alive in the franchise was made while I was gone, so I have to be respectful about it. 
I need to feel good and confident in what happens. So he's talking about uh, that decision uh, that was made during the production of Furious 7, which he did not direct uh, when Paul Walker passed away. And the the decision was made to sort of bring in his brothers and uh, digitally recreate um, some of his likeness to to finish up that movie. And um, again, finally, I'm just going to, you know, this is your final warning for F9 related spoilers here. But the Brian character does not literally make an on-screen appearance in F9, but the movie ends with his character pulling up in a vehicle to the Toretto house, but you don't actually see, you know, a, a human or a digitally recreated version of Brian or, you know, the the camera behind somebody who gets out of the car who looks like Brian or anything like that. Um, and in that moment, I thought that that was a really good approach to this. But Justin Lin is somebody who has been, you know, one of the creative driving forces uh, of this entire franchise. And he's talking about bringing this character back in some way. And my only reaction here is like, I have to, I mean, I, I just feel so hesitant about this because um, the digital, um, you know, recreations and, and the body double stuff that went into Furious 7 was necessary to finish that movie and like just get it across the finish line and get it out. But to make a creative choice to include this character now when the option is on the table to not do that. Um, I don't know. I, I'm really torn about this, but uh, Chris, I know you're not, you know, we've talked about this before. You're not like, you have not seen these movies. You probably don't care that much about this, but um, Brad, did you see F9? And what do you think about the idea of, of bringing Paul Walker back into the franchise in some way? Yeah, it's, um, it's one of the things actually that I felt kind of, weird about even that they were they were doing this and it's such a weird um weird thing that they have to do because the character you know is is alive and there's no reason to try to figure out a way to kill him off just because it feels um i don't know unnecessary and kind of like a the opposite of a tribute to paul walker yeah almost cruel or something yeah exactly you know and so um if they were to do this for to close out the franchise i think it has to be a thing where like like they did do an F9 where he he finally, you know, does show up one final time just to to sit at the Toretto family picnic table, you know, at the house for one, uh, you know, final family sit down. Because otherwise doing a thing where you do make a, you know, a digital Grand Moff Tarkin, you know, a la Rogue mm-hmm. One or something like that, um, which, you know, on some levels did work. You know, there were shots that looked incredible and, you know, it was unbelievable. In other ways, it just feels kind of creepy. And so, you know, I, if, if it's something that the Walker family supports and they're able to pull it off in, in a way that it feels, you know, convincing and honors Paul Walker, cool. Um, but I just, I hope it's not a thing where he, they try to make him, you know, uh, a primary character again just for the final chapter of the franchise. I hope it's just like, you know, an, another kind of farewell that includes him with the rest of the cast. Yeah, it's almost like I, I wish that maybe the camera could take Brian's POV or something for a moment that you're talking about, you know, like the same kind of thing that happens at the, at the end of F9 where he just like gets out of the car and shows up one final time for one last meal with the family or something like, you know, so we don't have to deal with the aesthetic of seeing, you know, something that is clearly fake or seeing a person and being like, oh, I wonder which brother that, it, you know, just like taking us out of the story. If, if maybe the camera is, Brian O'Connor's POV 
and it's able to sort of pan around and like have everybody, I don't know, like lovingly look at the lens or something, maybe, and you know, a way of, of sort of um, bringing Brian's perspective and the audience's perspective into one thing to sort of finish off this entire franchise where Brian was the main character in the first two movies, at least um, maybe that's a way to do it. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious what Justin Lin is thinking here and, and what might ultimately happen, because I know that he obviously has a, a lot of respect for uh, obviously Paul Walker and, and this franchise as a whole. So I, I know that he knows that people are hesitant about this. So we'll have to see uh, if you guys have any ideas or um, you know, just general thoughts about any of this. Uh, I would love to hear them. If you have any, any pitches for Justin Lin, maybe I can <laughs> relay them to him somehow. Um, but you can shoot us an email uh, at peter at slash film.com. If you want to send any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, or mailbag topics, uh, please make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. But I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. You can find more about all of these stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps. And don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.